Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate the hypersexual times in which we live. And today, Benji and I are talking about the beast within. We've had similar conversations in the past, but we really go deep into talking about what this beast is that we all have within us, how to deal with it when it arises, and also how to make sure that you weaken it so that you're not feeding it and letting it take control of your life so that you can take control over its life and take control back of your life. So if any of that made sense, I love you. And please welcome to this episode about the beast within. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, Benji? Let's go real casual and then we'll go into the topic. I am totally ready to talk, man. I love this topic. That's something that I think about and talk about every day, all day. So let's get into okay. it. That's how he's doing. <laughs> I'm doing great. Just so you guys know, if you're listening to this, it might even be after it's happening, but we are having events in Dallas on October 21st, in Chicago on October 28th. And then it looks like we're pretty much locked in for events in New Jersey on November 18th and DC, November 11th. Look at that. So just so you know, that took every neurotransmitter that I had to remember that information. If you are in one of those subregions, we've already hit subregion five, which was the Bay Area Family Church, but we are now hitting the rest of the four subregions. If you're in those subregions, these are subregional events. Even if you have to drive eight hours, do it. We heard that there's a possibility that Ohio might take a van of people to Chicago on the 28th. If you are anywhere in the vicinity, if you can take a plane, a Segway, roller skates, a Tesla, an old clunker, a unicycle, rocket ship, anything, get there, okay? It's really important that you guys come to these live events to be surrounded by the right people, not just the people, but the atmosphere, the climate of healing and the climate of freedom. Real sexual integrity just is an expression of freedom. So please, by golly gosh, get yourself over there. Yeah. Thanks, Benji. Looking forward to it. Lots of travel. Travel and Andrew did a killer job at inviting everyone to it. So hit us up in your area. So today we're going to talk about feeding the beast, everybody. I want to say that something that I've been thinking about off and on for a long time, but I actually brought it up. I didn't know that we were doing this podcast today, but I prototyped this talk communicating about it yesterday in my group with very interesting results because last night, one of my group members had an extreme fallout. He fell off the wagon real hard. And I think it was because his inner beast was angry. Yeah, It was like, don't talk to me like that. He didn't say this, but it was like a very extreme reaction. And another guy was mentioning that this book is like really challenging. I realized absolutely this is like exfoliating your soul when you hear this kind of stuff. Because like you've mentioned, a lot of people claim that they want to get rid of porn. They want to change their habits, but they Mm -hmm. keep it in their back pocket just in case because they know they get something out of it. But when you really call somebody out or not even call them out, but call an action out in their life that exists that they can't deny, it's very uncomfortable because it's like you're realizing you have this 
giant, very aggressive tumor inside your soul, and you got to do something about it. Let's get into it. In terms of the metaphor, it's really that we're born with very pure hearts. We have all the potential in the cosmos when we're born, but we have all these things implanted in us throughout our upbringing, good and bad. We have visions of hope given to us by art, by stories that we hear from friends or whatever. We also have heinous stuff plastered into our psyche. And stuff like porn is a great example of that. That's watching people being violent towards each other, hating each other on camera in many cases, calling each other very degrading names. And it makes you more carnal and aggressive to the point where it's unhealthy. To be aggressive, and I really wanted to make this point with my group yesterday, is actually really important, especially for dudes. We have this aggressive energy that's vital to our existence. My three sons have it in abundance. I notice if they're sitting around too much doing schoolwork or like Lego or stuff, I have to get them up and wrestle and do something. Otherwise, they go crazy. They got to get it out in some way, shape or form. So aggression in and of itself is a good thing. But yeah. when it becomes abusive and hurtful to your environment, that's when it starts to become negative. And that's what porn takes that aggression and turns it into something sinister and something selfish and something sadistic. When yeah. we consume this stuff, starting with porn, because it's such a clear offender, it's clearly feeding this part of us that exists within us in our mind, but also we feel it in our spirit that can take over. And when yeah. that monster, when the beast inside of you is really engaged, there's very little that you can do if you fed it long enough yeah. with enough disgusting nutrition. What it eats is people's pain and suffering, this kind of stuff. It becomes so strong that there's nothing you can do. And that's when you see people acting out. Like, even though they're trying with all their willpower to stop themselves from acting out, they cannot. Because this thing, this urge, this desire is so much stronger than them. Yeah, it's interesting. I explain it in very similar terms <laughs> to people because it's true, right? It's a real thing. And I call it the little monster, right? That grows. It's a helpful visual for people, people that have told me, guys that have told me. It makes the micro decisions more important. We tend to think that checking out Instagram or these videos on YouTube that are a little raunchy or those TV shows or movies that we shouldn't be watching, we kind of tend to see them as innocent. But if you actually understand that you're feeding that little monster, right? Call it dopamine, call it your brain, whatever you want to call it. If you see it as like, oh, you're feeding this. And if you're going to spend any time on Instagram in that kind of way, it's like you're hanging this giant steak in front of a hungry dog and you're telling this dog to sit and don't touch the steak. And then you walk away. It's like, how likely is it that dog is not going to consume that steak as soon as you turn your back? For people, I think it's a helpful visual to realize like anytime you do make those micro decisions that do eventually lead you down this rabbit hole to binge watching section of porn, people wonder like, how come I was doing so good for weeks, months even, and then so suddenly I was down the rabbit hole and I was black abyss of porn watching. Well, it's because in most cases, people are feeding that monster little by little, and they don't even notice it because they think it's innocent, because they think it's fine. But that stuff is real. And that monster is mm -hmm. begging you to come into the boxing ring and fight because it knows it can dominate you. And we like to think that, oh, I'm strong enough. After many years of being clean, I put my guard down. It's like, I can watch this show. Or I can watch this thing on YouTube, or I can follow this person on Instagram because I don't need porn anymore. But we don't realize that that's how addictions are formed, and that's how the monster is fed. And before I knew it, it was like, it was game over. And I felt all the shame and hypocrisy and spiraling that came after that. 
But it's helpful to think of it as like, every time you do engage with this type of content, you're like getting into a boxing ring with this monster. And depending how big it is, it is almost impossible to backtrack from that because of how much we fed it. And now the key I've learned is to not even engage in the fight. We'd like to think that we can fight it. But before we know it, we're on the ground and we're being pounded in the face by this monster. It's just to backtrack and be like, hey, I don't need to fight this. I can just ignore it. And by ignoring it, it can actually shrink and shrivel and die on its own by not giving it well, the power that it's- I'd like to unpack yeah. that a bit because... So I want to paint a really clear picture so that people can really experience this because when the beast is taken over, it's even visible to outsiders, like people who are not you. You put out a vibe, you have a look on your face. I've seen it in other people. It's this very scary vibe that you give out. And you don't want to be around a person who's possessed like that. And another thing I mentioned to these guys, and none of them struggle with this, but when you start mixing alcohol, drugs, going to clubs and that kind of vibe, when you mix that in with this beast is much more likely to act out with real people because now your brain, the prefrontal cortex, this part of your brain that helps you make good decisions is basically like a security guard. And when you drink, it's like putting your security guard to sleep. And when it's asleep, then this beast can roam around freely. And then that's usually what takes over. And that's why when people, a lot of times when they black out, when they're drinking and they wake up, they're like, what the hell did I just do? It can be pretty scary. When somebody's possessed with this strong desire, when the beast is at peak mode, in your experience, is there for a person to do. So you're there. The beast is kind of rising up in you. You've got that look on your face like I'm hunting now, right? I'm possessed. And now I'm on the hunt. What, what do you say somebody should do? I think usually what people tend to default to is like, oh, let me tell the accountability partner or my parent or my spouse about this particular trigger. And I think that many men that I've personally talked to about triggers and reporting and that kind of thing, I think in most cases, it's less productive to tell somebody that like, oh, I'm struggling with porn right now. Like I'm struggling to be triggered and act out right now. Because in most cases, it's actually masking an underlying issue. Because if you tell your accountability partner, which is good, and I think everyone should do, and it's a good thing, but in most cases, what can they actually do to really help you? They can say, oh, like, don't do that. Or they're like, I'll pray for you. Or it's like, you can do it. But I feel like a more productive use of daily discipline so that you don't even get to that place of no return is to get better at understanding those micro decisions that usually lead people there to the edge of the cliff and not even make them. So getting better at having the self-awareness of like, oh, today I was really angry. Or today I flipped off somebody in traffic. Or today I got upset at my wife because she told me how to wash the dishes. And I don't like when she tells me how to wash the dishes. Or something like that. These tiny micro decisions that people don't realize is actually what's leading people. It's like, oh, when this happened and I was frustrated or stressed because of work, I wanted to run to the bathroom and watch YouTube or go on social media or watch TikTok. I had this tendency to want to escape. That's a micro decision that usually leads people to feeding this beast. And until you get to that place where you're understanding and not letting those things slide, then you don't get to this place where you feel an uncontrollable desire to act out, to feed the beast, to indulge, but rather you can backtrack earlier. And for me, that's the saving grace of my own recovery is realizing that if I always rely on somebody or some external thing to fix my issue when it really counts, I'll never do it because I'm always letting myself get there. I've had the mentality of I'm never going to let myself get to the edge of the cliff where I'm even tempted to jump off. And how do I do that? 
personally, it's always been just talking about stuff with people. That's it. But not letting my emotions slide or like those micro things slide in my daily life. And that's been incredibly helpful for me as well. So can I clarify? Because in the beginning, you were yeah. saying reaching out to your accountability partner isn't the most helpful thing. But then at the end, you said talking to people is very yeah. helpful. I would say accountability partners are incredibly helpful if you're not only talking about porn because they don't many times okay. want to be like your toilet where you're just using them to take a leak or take a crap in and then flush the toilet. They want to have a relationship and it's a relationship that's healing. They've even done studies on counseling and those types of relationships. In counseling relationships and therapy, it's not usually the actual content of the conversation, but it's actually the relationship that's built that lets the person heal because they feel heard, they feel seen, they feel understood and accepted. Partnerships need to be one based on mutual trust and safety and relationship. And that's what actually is helpful. So it's not helpful to just go like, accountability partner, people have done this to me, like, save me, tell me what I need to do. What can I do? Like, there's nothing much I can do except, hey, what led you here? And let's not do that again so that you're not here anymore. And also the other caveat with accountability partners, what is key is that it has to be somebody that is not struggling themselves. They have to be someone that has more to give. The analogy I use is like, you don't want to be two vampires sucking the blood out of each other or two zombies eating each other. You want to be someone that is filled themselves so that they can actually give you perspective that you don't have. But I've noticed a trend in people, especially like faith, is that people tend to go to gravitate towards other people that are also struggling and try to seek accountability and support from there, which is not bad. Like it's not a waste of time. It's good. But I would say it's not the most effective in terms of actually getting to the root issues and being filled up and charging your batteries so that you can actually get through this thing. Yeah, I like that. So one thing that you're mentioning is prevention. I think that adds context because we've talked about this before that why shouldn't a person go to places like TikTok, go to places like Instagram? Why is it actually ultimately destructive? Because you can hear many cases for both sides. Is it good? Is it bad? Well, it depends, right? But a good analogy for you to put yourself in the middle of when you're there, are you watching content that's feeding that beast? And most likely you are. Unless you're only subscribed, like we've had the millennial rabbi that I met on Instagram on this podcast and I still follow him and we actually still connect on Instagram. So if you're following monks and priests and nuns, maybe it's a good use of these platforms. But generally speaking, we're not. You know, that's not why you're there. So to understand a context of every time you engage in really racy content, it's feeding the beast. And I was saying yesterday, and I would stand by the idea that watching violent content also feeds the same beast. That's, again, aggression that's gone sour, that's gone off, that's become destructive. There's so many things that we consume via YouTube, via Netflix or whatever, that's incredibly violent. You know, I was looking for a movie the other night to watch because every once in a while, Benji, I like to watch a movie without my wife because then I don't have to translate. Typically, when I watch a movie with my wife, I have to pause it every two to three minutes and explain the person just said. Every once in a while, I'll sneak away and I'll... It's (laughs) It's my confession. (laughs) I've clearly justified it. You're in love. Thank you. I was sifting through Netflix and I was like, geez, Louise, there's not overtly sexual or extremely violent. I'm a real big fan of that guy, Killian Murphy. He's an Irish actor. 
and he's in the Peaky Blinders. But every clip that I've ever seen is basically just him shooting people in the head. And I was like, I don't need that in my psyche. I just don't. As engaging as I'm sure the story is, just like people will go crazy for Breaking Bad or any of these shows. It's like, yeah, people who are struggling doing the worst possible things to other humans probably isn't good for this beast because it's feeding it violence. And I would put violence and porn, it's one and the same. I would conflate them any day of the week because sexual violence and violent violence is all a crime against humanity. And it hurts us and it hurts them by watching and by participating. So just to really be clear on the preventative side, what is going through your senses, make sure that it's not feeding the beast, okay? And then the other thing is to get to the point with a sober mind that you could reclaim a sober mind while you're possessed. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, you will probably really enjoy our other podcast, The Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to create a smashing marriage and experience God in the process. And yes, we talk a lot about sex. We have incredible guest speakers that I think you're going to really love. All you have to do is search for Blessed Couple Podcast on your favorite podcast player or just click the link in the description of this episode. Thanks. Back to the show. Let's say that you're really possessed. You got that look in your eye like, I'm going hunting now. I'm going to go on my phone. I'm going to wear it for porn, whatever it is that I'm about to do. That you can reclaim that sobriety and start saying it like it is. Look at me right now. I'm absolutely possessed by this hunger. To be able to take yourself out of yourself and to objectively see what you're about to do is you starting to take the driving wheel back of your own life. And it's very much possible as a part of the healing process, but it's snapping out of that possession, at least for an instant, so that you can see what you're doing. And that to me is the story of the incredible Hulk, which is actually the beast within. And obviously you could use that metaphor for a lot of different things, but just consider yourself when you are the green monster of the Hulk and you're not Bruce Banner anymore. That's you possessed by this carnal lust for something that you probably shouldn't do that goes against your life. And, you know, the Incredible Hulk wreaks havoc and he destroys stuff, but that's you after you're possessed, you've just wreaked havoc in your own life. All of your goals, you just like chop them down because you were just possessed and you let this monster take over. I think what Bruce Banner has done really well is understanding himself. That's a given. Like he has to be able to go through the process, even to the point where he, in the last Avengers movie, he merged like Bruce Banner, yeah, the yeah, best yeah. of both worlds, right? And it's like, to do yeah. that, you got to understand. You can't just in the moments where you're feeling angry, be like, okay, how do I not be angry? It's like, you got to figure out how to not get to that place of no return. So that's like just noticing the little things. And I think something that I told the guys in the Spartan program, it's helpful to have mantras in your mind, like things that you say to yourself. You know, I'm not into like affirmation. It's helpful to have something that's in the forefront of your mind that you say to yourself when you're making those micro decisions that usually lead you there. For example, one micro decision that does feed the beast is social media. We've already established that. Another micro decision is even thinking about acting out. Even the thought of like, oh, maybe I'll act out tonight. Entertaining the thought of it is another form of feeding the beast. And we don't realize that. Even when we see something or we hear the word porn or see it or whatever, like those triggers, we have an opportunity to feed that beast or to make a different decision and go in a different direction. For example, some of the guys have developed these mantras of, I don't need that. And that's something that I used for a bit, but I changed it to something else later. But one guy said that he just says that in his mind, like, I don't need that anymore. 
It's like, I used to think I need it, but I don't need it. Or another guy says, that's not an option for me. And that's something that I've adopted too, except I use the F word. Another one is like, I've come too far. I don't need that anymore. It's not an option. And if you can think like that in those very moments where you have a decision, do I engage this monster or do I go a different direction? That's called being strategic, deliberate, intentional, mindful about where you're going. Instead of just like gritting and biting your tongue and pushing yourself through it, it's so like, okay, where do I actually want to go with this feeling? It's like, oh, I'm feeling really stressed right now or I'm feeling really anxious right now. Instead of saying, I don't want to feel stressed. Okay, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go instead of that? Where do you want to direct that energy? If you're feeling bored, what do you want to feel instead of bored? I'm tired of feeling bored. I want to feel excited. Acting out, that's not an option for me. How do I feel that? Where do I go? And just making your daily actions in your North Star centered around that. You're laughing, Andrew. What's up? <laughs> that is the North Star goal. Because one of the guys yep. had a bit of a revelation, and it was about the unwanted book as well, which is super helpful. We actually brought up from a section of the unwanted book this idea when you're so used to this watching porn, it becomes like your familiar place. If you didn't have that, part of you wants this thing because you can't imagine life without it because it's so familiar to you. This going to porn, masturbation, PML. It's so familiar to you that you cannot imagine your life without it. And so then I was like, that is the North Star goal is to start to at least come up with a proposal of what your life would be without that. Because if you don't start planning for a life without it, then you're always going to be bound to a life with it. And then I proposed the question, what's scarier? Because he said he was genuinely anxious about the idea of letting go of porn. And I was like, well, what's scarier to you? Is it letting go of porn or being a grandpa, having kids and then having those kids have kids, being 75 years old and still having this exact same porn problem? What's mm -hmm. scarier to you? And he said, yeah, obviously the 75 year old thing. The whole point is instead of planning for failure, how do you start envisioning what success looks like and practicing the habits that are necessary to achieve that? And you can't because you can practice a bunch of strategies to block failure, but you still don't have a vision for what success even looks like, even a general idea. So what are you practicing for? You're just biding your time until you fail again, until you start practicing specifically for success, but success will look different for every person. What does success look like? What percentage of your day is spent working or doing something artsy or connecting with people or connecting with God? And that's on you to figure out. And that will change even in your own life from one phase to the next of your life. But the whole point is to become intentional about what you do want instead of trying to fend off what you don't want. But that is such a hard proposition for so many people. And one term that came out was the Stockholm Syndrome, which I really believe in. The Stockholm Syndrome is when you fall in love with the person who abducted you. So it happened in Stockholm. I think somebody was robbing a bank and then they took hostages and then the hostage fell in love with the person who took them hostage. And it sounds morbid, but you're falling in love with their strength and how commanding they are. But yeah. that's what people do with porn. They hate it because it's ruining their life, yet at the same time, they love it because they give porn the best of themselves. They give them their sexuality. They give them their time and energy and their emotion, their essence. They're giving it freely to porn. And porn is only giving you back negative feelings. So to be able to break free from that relationship, you have to form a bond with something else other than porn. You've got a bond, right? We talked about attachment theory and stuff like that. If you're not going to attach yourself to porn, then... What are you going to yeah. attach yourself to? That's awesome. On top of that, it's also the reality that 
the more we give power to something, the more it consumes us. The less yeah. we give power to something positive, the more the negative thing consumes us. If you spend your whole life running away from fast food, you were just bombarded with how bad fast food is for you. And every time you drove by a fast food restaurant, you would think, don't go to McDonald's, don't go to McDonald's. The chances are you're going to notice all the fast food places. Yeah. And the chances are you're going to go through the drive-thru because you have nothing that you're actually going to. But if you just focus on driving in this metaphor, if you just focus on getting to where you want to go, then you're not even going to notice the stuff. And I was thinking today, well, actually. I was could, no, no, wait. Let's finish that metaphor because okay. I think it's very <laughs> suitable because that whole thing is very true. Okay, I'm not going to go to McDonald's. I'm not going to go to McDonald's. Okay, great. Let's say even you succeed at that. It doesn't mean that you have a well-balanced diet just because you're not mm -hmm. eating fast food. You could still be eating potato chips at home, but you're not going out to eat. Or you could be eating frozen dinners or something like that. It doesn't mean that you're eating what your body wants. So without a vision of what health actually looks like and how you want to feel and what that does for your mind and for your heart and for your immune system yep. or whatever, then you're just bound to, well, I succeeded in not going to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Who gives a crap? What did he eat today? Let's go deeper. It's the same as going to McDonald's and saying, I'm going to eat a salad. That's probably better, but what are the chances that you're going to keep doing that? Probably low. What are the chances you're going to go back to the old habit? This is the same as people hanging out on TikTok and saying like, well, I'm not watching porn. I'm being educated on YouTube. It's like, yes, YouTube is very educational, but most of the time, a high percentage of stuff that people are consuming is not deliberate. It's not strategic. It's pretty mindless. So I started implementing that in my life. If I'm going to YouTube, I only am using the search bar, going to search for something specific, and then I'm out of there. I'm not going to go hang out at McDonald's to eat a salad. I'm not going to go to the bar to just drink water as a recovering alcoholic. And this is why I have a strong recommendation for anybody who's a recovering porn user is don't spend any time on social media. Like just completely detox it. The justifications are real to keep it in, but we got to just focus on something bigger. And well, to go even deeper, McDonald's, <laughs> we're really crapping on McDonald's at this point, but that's absolutely fine with me. McDonald's isn't in the game of health. So even their salads that they provide are going to be with crappy ingredients because they're not committed to providing with organics, to providing you with really nutritional mm -hmm. content. And that's not what they signed up for. And you kind of know that going yeah. in. Well, the best of a bad list. And it's the same with social media where you go to these places and you know you're not going to get, especially on a place like TikTok, your life isn't going to change for the better because of a video that you saw. At best you're not going to ruin your life, but you're not going to really enhance your life by any great measure there. It's a direct correlation with that metaphor. If you want a really, really good salad, you go to a place that specializes in healthy ingredients. They want you to Okay, And that's their mission statement. They're committed to it. It's what they do. It's what they're good at. And that's just simply not what McDonald's is committed to. Same with TikTok is not committed to making your life better. It's committed to distraction, endless, endless distraction. So no matter how much you want to go there to make your life better, that's not the purpose of the thing. You go where you would best be placed to serve that purpose, which is to make your life better. And you have to identify what those places are. Yeah, and it could be anything like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Burger King, Taco Bell, KFC, doesn't matter. Yeah. I think it's about being deliberate, right? And that's what I realized about YouTube is that I always justified it as like, oh, this is educational because the stuff I watch is pretty good. It's either finance related or it's health related or it's like Lord of the Rings related, which I find interesting. 
And then I realized all the justifications I was making for it were always the same justifications that people make for porn addiction. It's the same thing. It's like, oh, it's stress relief. It's relaxing. It's like, well, people say the same thing about porn. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's educational. But then I looked at the amount of time I was spending on it. And I was like, man, that's a lot of wasted time that I could be doing something else. The opportunity cost of these platforms is way, way higher than I think any of us realize. As soon as I cut that out, I was like, okay, I have two hours a day or an hour a day that I can actually learn something interesting that and be strategic with my time instead of just mindlessly letting the algorithm serve me something on that day. I love it. And I got to say, maybe three weeks ago, I was stranded. I had this plan. I gave my car to the auto mechanic who's going to fix it. And then I was kind of stranded for a bunch of hours, but I planned it so that about a mile away, there was a Starbucks and I was going to sit there and do my work until I got picked up by my wife. Turns out that that Starbucks was only drive through And then the only other restaurant within another mile was McDonald's. So I was like, oh my God. And I ended up having a meeting there. And since I was there, they have these giant fancy touch screens now. And I was like, okay. So I got a coffee. And then I was like, I'll just get something to eat. I'll oh try goodness. it out. And I yeah. got this breakfast burrito. And I was like, oh, it's pretty cheap. <laughs> and then I took a bite into it. And I was like, this is what death tastes like. <laughs> this is the worst. And, and I just piled on ketchup. I felt so gross after it. But the reason I bring that up is because there is that thing where you automatically feel a little bit rich when you walk into a place like that. Because you look at the dollar menu or whatever, and you're like, yo, I can get five of these things. And then you get them and you're like, yo, these things are trash. I, I got five pieces of trash. Same with these social media things. It's like I got free time or I can scroll a bunch and anything is like value meal. It's value for money, but it's not value for your health or valuable, I would say. So we'll leave McDonald's alone. Sorry, buddy. It's Sorry, our generation, buddy. man. We grew up on McDonald's and that's like the epitome of crap food. Back in the day, it was the ultimate, right? It was like when a McDonald's went to a new country. I don't know if you saw in Russia after communism fell, but there was a lineup for like seven, eight hours, thousands of people lined up to go to McDonald's because it was so famous. But now the world's different and we actually care about our health. So with that said, now we have to work on mental junk food, emotional junk food, spiritual yeah. junk food. I've been talking a lot with people about social media because in our program, the Spartan program is like one-on-one. I asked them like, you should do this social media detox. And then I see in their mind all the justifications. I can see it happening. And I say this to them. I was like, if you can't give up social media for a month, then you can't quit porn. I say it like that because I'm trying to be a little bit polarizing for them to make them think about it. And in most cases, they do it, actually. If we really dig deep and ask them, I ask them to make a pros and cons list. And they realize, wow, the cons of this habit like far outweigh any pros associated with keeping a social media habit because it's mindless. It's a waste of time. They don't feel good doing it. And the opportunity cost is very high because they could do other stuff. And so I've noticed in people when they actually go through this process of realizing it's the same process people have to go through quitting porn. It's the same thing. It's just a different level of escapism. And when I call it escapism, and I like to call it escapism because if I say porn is an addiction, which it is, but if I say you have a porn addiction, immediately people try to make all these mental decoding of am I actually addicted or do I just have a bad habit? Like, am I that addicted? And then I say it's like a bad habit. And then if you say it's a bad habit, people tend to think of it as like, oh, it's just like biting my nails or picking my nose. It's not that bad, right? But if I say it's an escape, then people are like, oh, okay, I understand that. I resonate with that because it is an escape. And then they ask themselves, what am I escaping from? 
And this applies to porn, social media, video games, violence, anger, irritation. When people engage in these behaviors, we have to ask the fundamental question, what am I escaping from? Because when you understand that, then you've won the battle because you don't need it anymore. I try to like help people figure this out. Okay, what am I escaping from? Well, most of the time when I'm really triggered to watch porn or go to my phone, whatever, it's because I'm bored. Okay, let's figure that out. Or they say, I'm really stressed. All right, let's figure that out. Because under those buckets of emotion, there's always something very deep in that. There's some kind of underlying fear that people are not aware of. And they think when they start a program or join Hainu or join Ascend, they think like, oh, my trigger is social media. Or my trigger is Instagram. My trigger is going to the gym and seeing people at the gym. And then they realize like when they're deeper into porn recovery, they realize that that's actually not their real trigger. But there's actually deeper, more emotional, internal trigger that's happening before that that they've depended on for so many years to alleviate in order to experience some level of relaxation. But it's all artificial and it's all a fallacy. And when people get that, it's like, oh, there's something going on underneath that we're all escaping from. And it starts with, what do you do with your phone? That's where it starts. What do you do with your phone when you're on the toilet? And it ends with true escapism, which is like porn, drugs, alcohol, whatever, all the stuff people do, violence. Yeah. So I just want to make that point that it starts there. It's not to be taken lightly. What do you do with your ghost thumb? You know, when you're in the elevator and it's awkward and you just go to like Facebook for no reason, you're just like, why am I going to Facebook? It's like an automatic thing now. Yeah, I think that's a good place to end because the metaphor is really clear. And I hope that's really helpful for you all. Because I think we're coming from a very male-centric perspective of this aggression. But I'm absolutely certain it applies to everybody. The beast might look different in everybody. Mm. Which is why I haven't seen it yet, but I know there's a She-Hulk series now to try and explain what the woman side of having the beast within looks like. But we want to make this metaphor as clear as possible because every conversation that you have, if you think of even gossip or hoping that somebody else does badly, that's definitely feeding that beast within you because that's a part of the subject winning over the object, which is all porn is, which is dominance, right? It's just role-playing of somebody dominating another person. So it can even come in subtle ways in terms of like conversations or thought processes. So try to catch that beast, try to call it out. And the idea is, I don't believe that once we've created this beast, that it can ever be killed. But I do know for certain that you can weaken it, you can make it emaciated and nullified. You can take away its power. You can chain it up. You can absolutely control it. And that's by asserting yourself, sticking to your guns, learning what this beast is truly triggered by and finding natural solutions to natural urges instead of unnatural solutions to natural urges, which is what most of us do. So if you start living a healthy, balanced life, you're naturally going to weaken this monster, this beast within. But the point is to get it so placated and docile that it doesn't even attempt to take over anymore because it's such a former version of itself. And you can absolutely do that. So please use this metaphor to notice, when am I feeding this beast? And again, there's also that Native American analogy of the two wolves within you. When am I feeding this beast within me? And when am I feeding my North Star gold? Let's have those be the two countering forces because one's going to ultimately bring about the life that you were born for. And the other one is going to destroy anything valuable in your life. 
And it's all made up by a series of micro decisions like Benji was mentioning. So please observe, when are you feeding the beast? When are you feeding your North Star goal? Benji, anything else before we tick off? Good. Thank you everyone for listening. Please follow us, subscribe, share this episode with people. That's the only reason we do this is to help you all. So we appreciate that. Hey, before you go, I wanted you to consider checking out High Noon Connect. So if you go to our website, highnoon.org, you'll notice, first of all, we have a brand new website, which is beautiful. And also, you'll notice that there's the opportunity to join High Noon Connect. The essence of what High Noon is morphing into is a community. We are better together, and sexual integrity involves other people, okay? If you're struggling with pornography, you need the help of brothers and sisters, of people in a community dedicated to helping lift you up. And even if you're not, if you're in a relationship and you just want more intimacy, more love, more joy, or if you're single and you just want to be a person that can live according to their values in the area of sexuality and you want to be around a group of people who are fighting in the same way, then please go to highnoon.org and sign up for High Noon Connect. There's a free version and a paid version. We want to make this as accessible as possible. And we're a nonprofit, so we're not trying to make a buck here. We're just trying to create a community off of Facebook that gives a focused conversation, focused energy, focused attention on building sexual integrity as a cultural intention. So go to highnoon.org. We'll see you there. Thank you.